Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. And we're back with another week of uh, Baby Got Batch. Hi, everyone. Oh. There's Camila over there. You know, I was, I was just about to introduce you, but she she jumped the gun a little bit. I'm but sorry. that's Camila Salazar over there, my lovely co-host on this little journey. And I'm Brett Vergara. Hello. Hi, Brett. How how are you doing over there? Um, I'm doing well. It's been about one full week of being back home in Miami. And the weather's been great. Can't complain there at all. I know that there's another blizzard in New York this past weekend and as magical as the photos look I can't deny that I'm very excited by the fact that I was at the beach on Friday well you literally dodged both of them yeah you are correct yeah yeah but um I mean I haven't left the apartment all day so I was able to watch from the new apartment the (gasps) the new fancy solo living lots of life changes over here so this has been Mm -hmm. an eventful week to say the least And uh, I'm recording from a new spot and I actually have like, it's not just in my little tiny apartment where I'm worried that my roommates are going to get woken up if I'm really uh, going in on like one of the contestants for gaslighting another person. And I'm like, oh, I shouldn't (laughs) shouldn't say that so loud. Uh, Now I can just scream. So it's going to be a lot louder. You are the king of the castle, Brett. I know. I know. It's 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 a. New, literally new year, new me, new apartment, new me. So very excited. One thing I'm excited. Well, I will say I was excited about it, but now I have mixed. uh, I'm going back and forth is I was like, oh, I can have people over when that's like a thing uh, to watch like Bachelor now. Like I can have like little hosting things. But then I immediately doubled back on that because before we started this lovely podcast journey together, um, I mean, we've watched together a couple of times. You know, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's hard for me to watch with people because obviously I do my little Twitter thing and it just feels like I'm so antisocial to be around yeah. and I don't like this side of me that like people see if they're watching the show with me. So I don't know if actually I'm going to host. It's so funny you say that because I think your fans, you know, I don't know if you like to call them that, but you obviously have a lot of a zillion followers my, on Twitter. My and Twitter stuff. pals, and, Twitter and pals, and people, yeah, people love your tweets. So, like your your Twitter pals, obviously, probably think it's it would be awesome to watch The Bachelor with you. And as someone yeah. who was so excited the first time you invited me to watch The Bachelor with you, I'm like, it was still objectively fun. Like we all had fun, but. I felt I almost felt like bad for you because we're all like laughing and and crying and, and really yeah. really engaged. Yeah. And you're and like, in the what, corner. What they you're say. In the corner Go tweeting. back. Rewind that. Let me get yeah. a picture of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like it's like worst. you're in the corner tweeting. Um, but I will say when we went to an event once, like right pre-COVID, like like February, I think 2020, we went to an event. It was Smirnoff. Yeah. It, yes. It was like a Smirnoff event in Brooklyn. Um, and it was like a live viewing. It was that syndicated where they're known for 
streaming movies and stuff there. Um, like it was like a big event. Like Mike Johnson was there and stuff. Yeah, which was and awesome. Kayla Quinn and uh, yeah, Kayla I think Quinn it was, was just there. Us too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I got a great pick with with uh, Mike. We're staring into each other's eyes. It's very romantic. It's on Instagram. It's very beautiful. Um, I feel like you were pretty present then. Well, do you remember that? I mean, I was present, but I was also in the back. Yeah, I was. Well, of course. Do I remember that? <laughs> of course, I remember that night. It was a highlight. It was. It was like right before everything went off the rails last year. Essentially, yeah. um, no, but like. That event was a bit of an exception because it wasn't just a random watch party. Not to knock like random watch parties hanging out in the living room, but it was like a proper event. It was an event. There was a photo booth. There was. Yeah. I will allow the content to suffer because this is like really great. So it's like, uh, well, I can sacrifice it. Uh, but in the back of my head, I was like, ooh, the tweets are really suffering a little bit. What, it, what I actually think about, too, is uh, when I'm first like, you know, dating a new person, oh. like if I'm uh, and, and like they say, like, oh, like you watch Bachelor, like we should watch together. And I'm like, I that's a different layer of vulnerability. That's like a year <laughs> in is like when we will be in the same room watching Bachelor together because it's uh yeah, it's you know, it's like I love you comes, you know, however long it takes you to you know, say that to a partner and watching Bachelor together, double that time, whatever that mark is for you. Yeah. That's what uh different layers of vulnerability. Yeah. It's like a war room. That's the thing. It's a war room. And people need to respect the the craft. <laughs> so I think it's just about time to get into this week's show. But um, if it's okay with you, Brett, I want to actually respond to a review that I saw. Um, I was, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Okay. So one, love you guys' reviews. Please keep reviewing and rating us. Um, they literally bring me so much joy to read them. I mean, obviously, Brett, you have a lot of people on the internet who really care about you, and a lot of those people are showing out um, in these Aww. in these reviews, Aww. and so I'm just like happy to be a part of it a little bit. Um, but we got a review that I felt was like really important that I want to um, kind of read and respond to. Let's do it. Okay, so the name of the review is a different perspective on Matt and Michelle's BLM convo. Um, so the first couple sentences are just kind of, you know, them telling us that they really like the podcast. So I'm not going to read that. But thank you. <laughs> thank you to you. Um, Dab Geo 55. Thank you. Um, so I'm just going to start when it gets to like the beginning of their critique. <clears throat> I disagreed with the discussion surrounding Matt and Michelle's convo around BLM and George Floyd compared to Tasha and Ivan's conversation. I'm a black woman and I don't speak for all of us, but you have to understand that last summer for black people was extremely traumatic and we're still processing through all that happened today. On top of that, we were bombarded by messages from white and non-black friends, either sharing their guilt and grief or asking us to share slash explain our trauma. It was and still is tiring. Now imagine having to share that on national TV and knowing in the back of your head that it'll be seen by a mainly white audience. Ivan had his way of wanting to talk about it, and Michelle had hers, and I think neither is wrong. It's so important to remember that black people are not a monolith. We process through and express our racial trauma differently. And so I don't think it's up to people outside of the black community to say how we should discuss our experiences. 
It doesn't mean you can't share your thoughts on the discussion. I just think this is a different perspective to consider. I respect your opinions and appreciate you for even just bringing more awareness to BLM. I look forward to more episodes. So first, thank you so much, Dab Geo, for this message. I think it's incredibly important and I felt really compelled to to read it for our listeners. When I read it, I knew I had to respond and I, I wish I... If I could, I would have emailed you back right then, but that's, you know, you can't email back a reviewer. So I knew I had to bring it, uh, bring it to the pod. And so. You should be able to. Right? You should. But alas, get on it, iTunes. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And so I wanted first to say that I 100% agree with everything that this reviewer wrote. Um, I'm 100% on board. And so when I first read it, I was a little confused with myself, I guess. I was like, wait, I agree with all of this. Why is it a different perspective? And then I went back and re-listened to what I said, and I'm realizing that I didn't really make it clear that my gripe with that convo, with Michelle and and Matt's convo, was more from like an editing post-production perspective because in my mind they obviously spoke about this for a while like you know we know that they have these long combos and they're edited down to like really the meat of it and so there's so much that we miss so much that we miss and so for me I felt like oh they obviously you know talked about it or whatever and for me I felt like oh they're trying to water down the convo the the editors for the mainly white audience. And so that was really where my gripe came from. You know, like I think I said something like, you know, if I close my eyes, it sounds like a white savior conversation, which in my mind was very clearly about the way the conversation was edited and not at all about what Michelle was saying. And so I want to apologize for making it sound like, you know, my gripe was with the way Michelle communicated her experiences with Black Lives Matter because that is not what I meant at all. So thank you so much for sending this our way. Um, I really, really appreciate how kind you were and how willing you were to give me the benefit of the doubt. And in today's day and age, people are not willing to do that. And I just truly, truly appreciated it. So thanks so much. Yeah, no, I absolutely loved that review. And every time we get a review like that or a long email uh, or a long DM, you know, like there's there's many ways to uh, get in touch with Baby Got Batch. Yeah. Um, I just, it makes my day. It makes my day. (gasps) Truly. Stuff like that. I mean, I respond to the email, so... So we read and we we respond. So email us. Yeah, and 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 I I usually the one who gets back to the social, the you know the one the Instagram DM slides, if you will. <laughs> uh, and I I do think we do a good job, but even if we don't get back to you, um, or especially if it's not as, as speedy as, as we would like, it's just really appreciated. It means the world to us to chat with you. Yeah. And with that, you want to uh, dive on into this week's episode? Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah. Here we go. Okay. All right. So this you know, episode starts off. We're finally getting this Heather person jumping in to the fray here in the cold open. Uh, you know, she pulls up with, you know, her little, I don't even know what kind of car that is. I'm terrible with cars. Like a minivan, soccer mom. A little bo- white mini car. Yeah. A little soccer mom energy. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, my name is Heather Martin. I'm I have a lady named Heather Martin at the front gate. She's looking to talk to Mr. Harrison. 
Heather Martin? What the f- is she doing here? This this liar. Like <laughs> you, you know, like we we all know that you know what's going on. We know you're an executive producer of the show. Don't play dumb with me, Chris Harrison. How dare you? How dare you treat me like I'm stupid? I was already mad at the show and it was like literally in like 30 seconds in because how dare you gaslight me, Chris Harrison? How dare you? I know. It's like the security footage, like the guy, the security man being like, oh, we're close to the public right now. It's just ugh. like I part of me. I'm ju- I'm just confused. I feel like before it was like so easy to like spot the obvious producer interfering. Not that this is actually genuinely, you know, a surprise, but I feel like there might be some element of like she did kind of show up and they were like, "All right, stick her in a quarantine." <laughs> I don't know why. I just it just that just feels accurate. But also, why would that be accurate? I don't know. I just feel confused. I feel like <laughs> I'm at my wit's end with the season. I feel <laughs> I feel crazy. I literally the season has literally made me feel crazy. Yeah, I feel that like just this sense of exhaustion and just I, yeah, I don't know what why. Ex- well, I know somewhat why just because it's been like relentless uh, of like toxicity in this house and that hasn't helped anything for sure. Yeah, uh, and just like the times we're in, but. But yeah, no, I, I I feel that. I also feel a little crazy. So after that little cut to Heather Martin showing up, we're thrown right back into the two-on-one from uh, Desenia and MJ from last week. And then we get cut a little bit back to the the group and we're getting some reactions like who's on whose side. Yeah. It seems like across the board, people are pretty on board with Desenia over MJ. Yeah. Uh, just trying to read facial expressions as best as possible. And then we do get some lines from uh, Serena P, from Brie and, and from Katie, essentially making it known that they think, you know, she's in the words of Katie, the last of the mean girl tribe and, uh, they're they're waiting to see if what MJ's sort of done, uh, you know, has has consequences here. And uh, the only thing when Katie said she's the last of the mean girl tribe, I again get brought back to like, where are we putting Kit? Like Kit, I feel like is getting away with not murder, but like grand larceny. Like she has a lesser crime than murder, but she's still getting away with something here that she's not getting lumped in at all. What are your... Where, where are you at with Kit right um, now? Well, yeah, I feel the same. Well, I feel the same about Kit and Serena C. I feel like they were both had moments when they were laughing about the new girls and being kind of petty and rude and, you know, territorial yeah. and things like that. So I think Serena C also deserves to be mentioned here. But I think, you know, it's like what we said in past episodes. They weren't the main, you know, antagonists. They were kind of riding the coattails or just like kind of going along for the ride. So it was easy for them to hide from the spotlight of that of the main drama but yeah i mean i don't know like i said i'm just like exhausted like i and i feel like we're gonna get into this more throughout the episode um especially with like serena c but like what what can i say other than they're they're getting away with it you know like i don't know if they've like put out any statements since you know because a lot of those more worse moments of theirs were from a few episodes back. So, and I don't really follow them. I don't follow a lot of people on social media. So I don't know if they've addressed like any of these things at all, but um, yeah, nothing else to say other than they're, they were lucky that they weren't the meanest girls. Yeah. I've seen it from kit. I know that especially after uh, when the new girls 
first came in, Kit had like a whole like, you know, Instagram story apology, essentially. I don't think I saw something from Serena, but I could be wrong there. One thing that I actually think about with Serena, because she was definitely harsh when the new women came in and joined on that pylon. But I actually remember that I think it was the very first episode or maybe the second when Victoria first started spiraling. And Serena was like one of the first people to be like, oh, I think you're like getting a little um, uh, worked up. Like she was almost trying to diffuse it initially. So she's definitely had like a little bit of a turn. Uh, I guess that could have gone either way. But I I did think it was it was interesting that she didn't get really, um, you know, she wasn't on board with Victoria, it seemed, uh, but was perfectly on board with piling on the new women. Um, And then so anyway, after after that. Um, that cut away to the group there. We go back to Matt, Jacenia, and MJ. And I, I know we went into a little bit last week, but I do just have to give major kudos to Jacenia in this moment. Like literally line after line, moment after moment, handling this so perfectly. Yeah. I mean, obviously, like the the panda camera last week was was great, and we pick up from that, you know, this week. But she is just handling herself like a just a boss here. And again, MJ is so intimidating. So all the more, you know, credit to her. Yeah. Just how he was calm, cool and collected, like never lost her cool once, which is, it's just ironic. Cause that's, I think we both agreed that that's the perception that we got from MJ, like the first, you know, night one first impression mm-hmm. that she was that cool, calm, cool, collected girl. Yeah. And so right. it was kind of funny seeing her go up against and like kind of lose against someone who actually had it together and who was yeah. actually, yeah being very emotionally mature and very clear and direct and, you know, not necessarily backing down while also not attacking or, or, or deflecting or anything. So yeah, just said you killed it. Her one liners were just, were just killer. Check yourself. I check myself. That is petty day. to continue to be petty. Just you, I'm done. Just stop. You are done. You are done, MJ. Cute. You are done. Okay. Come on. That's gold. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a part of that, to to your point about how we initially perceived MJ, then, you know, Jasenia actually being that person, it's just poetic justice a little bit, you know, yeah. love to see it. Um, but then, yeah, so when Matt pulls Jasenia aside, exactly like you said, she just handles it very, uh, you know, very calmly. And, uh, and then meanwhile, we see like MJ just is not even unraveling because she was clearly unraveled going into this to begin with, but she's just going off the deep end even more. Um, and then has this line before going into the talk. Hold on. I'm going to fluff my hair. I forgot who I am for a second. I had a weak bitch moment, but I'm back. We didn't actually talk about this last week either. But she has this like big hair, big hoops, big energy thing going on. And I actually wanted to get your take on this. Is that like, it's like feels appropriation-y a little bit. Why do you think it feels appropriation-y? Well, I think there's like this thing with like Latino women where it's just like there's conversations around like hair and hoops and like attitude and like that sort of thing. And it almost seems like she's trying to play off of that. Am I like reading that wrong or? No, I'm not. I I didn't ask because I had an opinion either way. I was yeah cu- genuinely curious because um, I do have thoughts on this. Like it, so you're right. Like it is like a Hispanic thing to wear hoops and big ones, and I know black women also wear big hoops. And I think 
the issue is not that like one culture is allowed to wear them and another isn't. Like I think in terms of jewelry, unless it's something that is maybe like a ceremonial, which hoops are not religious or yeah. anything. I think that's kind of when you get into a realm of appropriateness. And so with hoops, I don't think it's like only Hispanic women or black women can wear them and white women can't. I think the issue is similar or related to hair with black women and with, you know, Hispanic women who have curlier, thicker hair or what, you know, we call, I don't want to say we because I definitely don't do this, but what a lot of people in Hispanic culture traditionally call pelo malo, which literally means bad hair. Um, It's like Hispanic women are punished for wearing hoops. It's like, it's not professional or, you know, you look ghetto or like, like things like that. Like those sayings or those Mm, phrases associated with uh, Hispanic women wearing big hoops, specifically one stereotype that um, I definitely grew up with a woman being a chonga. Like if you're a chonga, it means you slick your hair back, you know, really tight and you wear really thick um, lip liner and eyeliner and you have huge hoops and you wear really tight clothes and then you look down on those people who are like that. Yeah. And it's like, no, it's just a look one. And it was very tied to being Hispanic. And in Miami where everyone's Hispanic, like it was almost like differentiating maybe like a lower class from a higher one. And, you know, when you're in middle school, you don't really think about those things. But looking back, it definitely that's definitely what that was. It's like a classism Mm. and classism is very, and elitism is very strong and well in the uh, Hispanic community. So for me, it's wearing big hoops and being proud of like your big curly hair. I don't think that's like cultural appropriation, but I do feel the need to point out that if it was a Hispanic woman doing it and not MJ, it would be received differently. You know, it would be seen more as low class or trashy or unprofessional. Um, whereas because MJ is white and beautiful, you know, she she can own that yeah. in a way that's not going to be critiqued the same way. Yeah, because, yeah, no, that, that makes a lot of sense because like appropriation, like it didn't feel right, but there was just something about it that like rubbed me yeah. the wrong way. Like my my yellow flags were going off and I was like, do yeah. I just not trust MJ and that's why I'm feeling this way or is there something here? Yeah, like, I- that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I think that and these like kind of weird in between moments are are important to talk about, too, because, you know, we feel way about them because we don't have words for them. Like we, you know, 10 years ago, like, do you think I I don't even know if cultural appropriation as a term existed 10 years ago. That's something that I'm going to need a fact check for myself. But I know I didn't know about it 10 years ago, you know, and that didn't mean that like wearing a Pocahontas costume didn't like kind of rub me the wrong way, but there weren't really words for it. So it was kind of like. I, I yeah like I guess it's fine you know but now that's obviously we have language around that that helps us navigate the world and helps us understand you know maybe mistakes from the past but how to move forward and not repeat those and just how to help each other improve society for the better so I think that's that's important I think yeah maybe we just need to coin some sort of phrase for this and if it exists yeah already let us know email us babygotbatchpod at gmail.com please let us know so after that she goes to Matt and, you know, it's just run down all the, the bullshit here. She's like, oh, you know, my heart's so big and I just really want you to see that. Uh, I personally am trying to bring everyone together. Um, I'm just like mentally and emotionally exhausted from doing so. Uh, and and last but not least saying, oh, I've never lied. You need a wife that, you know, her go to that preaches for harmony and peace. And my God, my God, MJ, just the lack of self-awareness is 
truly a sight to behold here. Yeah. Just how she truly believes everything she's saying. I can only assume, but that's what it seems like. She true. It seems like she truly believes everything she's saying. Yeah. Isn't it like a Seinfeld line where it's like, it's not a lie if you believe it's true. That really <laughs> feels like what's going on here. She's just all right, like really believe in her version of the truth, her, her facts. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah. So then MJ goes back and, you know, back at the same condescending gaslighty nonsense with Jasenia. Uh, you know, they go back and forth, back and forth, doing their thing. Yeah. Based off of this, I wonder what MJ Matt got to see tonight. I don't have anything you know about what, This Meredith, is who I am. You know what, Meredith? Oh, you that's preach cute. all the time about weak bitch you know energy. What? You are well, so weak bitches lie. Why? What? First of all, first of all, this continues the trend of Justenia being amazing at comebacks. Second of all, why was her calling her Meredith like the most vicious comeback i like can remember in franchise history recent franchise history i was i like had to pause when she said this because i was just like oh my god i truly thought her name was like mary jane like i feel like that's what mj's (laughs) normally are mary jane's like i had no yeah Yeah, it really took it really made me do a double take i was like meredith (laughs) yeah meredith like it just oh man it just it it just said so much with saying so little, there was it just really was gutting, and I could tell that it even bothered MJ because she responded with something along the lines of like, "Oh, like that's real, that's real cute, that's real," you know. She like she got to her with with that. So, uh, wow, Whew. that just that knocked me that that knocked me out a little bit. Not gonna lie. And then after that moment, uh, you know, Mac comes in, and thank God finally sends MJ home. I was so nervous that like, you know, we obviously had Anna and Victoria, you know, go home last week. So I didn't want to get carried away with myself and like, oh, you know, I can't just expect the right people to get sent home all the time because we can't have nice things. And so I was real worried that we were going to say bye to Jasenia this week. So I am very relieved. It's still exhausted, but maybe slightly less so and slightly more relieved. Yeah, I loved, I mean, of course, as we were saying, like RIP to the traditional two-on-one format, Um, but Mm -hmm. as far as two-on-ones go, you always love when the quote-unquote villain um, gets at home, but I will say, like, where's the justice for Jasenia in that we don't even see her be offered the rose? Like, I want to see Matt say, thank you so much for everything, and I see you care about me, and I care about you, and will you accept this rose? And she says, yes, Matt, I will. You know, like, where is that? Where's the clip yeah. of that that I don't get to insert now because they didn't show it to us? Yeah, exactly. Where's the clip, Matt? Where is it? Where or is producers. It? Whoever's fault it is. Whoever's <laughs> fault behind the scenes there. So Jasenia comes back to the group and tells everyone MJ went home. Again, majority of the group seems to be on board with that. Followed by Chris Harrison coming in, you know, saying that we're not the only ones exhausted. Matt is also exhausted and there will not be a cocktail party tonight. Womp, womp, womp. And then, of course, the the women aren't super relieved to hear that. Serena C. in particular. I mean, I feel like all of this could have been avoided if the whole topic of like bullying and toxicity wouldn't have been brought up in the first place of last row ceremony. Katie, I'm sorry, but you did bring it up. Pretty much every scenario where there has been drama, you have been a part of. Okay, I don't know where this is coming from, and I'm sorry you're, like, upset, but why are you concerned about me? What's your concern? 
All right. So, well, here, before I go into my thoughts here, do you want to go first or? Yeah. I mean, I think this is another reason why when you, you know, kind of like mentioned Kit flying under the radar earlier, I really felt the need to also include Serena C because she's literally saying like, it's your fault that we don't have time because you brought up silly things such as bullying and toxicity, you know, like throwing it around as if it's like an exaggeration at Katie and just kind of making the leap that like she did it for screen time, you know, like something, something like that. So, I mean, she doesn't say that, but that's what I'm gathering from, you know, you're not here for the right reasons. Like you start, you keep starting drama and it's like it, there was a real problem in the house. Even if a lot of the girls didn't see it, you know, right. We talked about how Chelsea genuinely didn't see the the things happening in the house you know mm-hmm. like maybe yeah. it wasn't as widespread as we were made to feel um but it definitely affected a lot of people and it was great that katie took the initiative to make sure that the women were feeling for the most part safe um in the house so if you're yeah, yeah it's just like it's such a reach it's such a stretch it feels like projection and it's just like misguided misdirected anger yeah. and frustration yeah, no, that's that was my exact thought is that I was trying first off, I knew that of course Katie's one of my favorites. So I was like, all right, I gotta take a step back and is there something I'm missing? And I'm like, no, there's not something I'm missing. And I really think that her frustration, her being Serena, is is valid, but it's completely misdirected frustration at Katie. And then also to go into that further, Serena's mad at Katie for bringing up the bullying and bringing up the toxicity in the house. What is Serena's alternative solution then? Was her ideal scenario, it just like continued until the end of time and then Matt picks Victoria? Like what was her end game here? That's, I want to unpack where she was going with that thinking. Yeah, I think that that's an excellent uh, question or point that you bring up because it's Hmm. like, what would have an alternative looked like and what would have a suitable alternative that you would approve of look like. And then what would the, how would that have played out on, you know, national TV? It's just, yeah, yeah, it's just, this is not well thought out anger or frustration or even a well thought out argument on Serena's part. And yeah, to that, I say therapy. Yeah. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make a very reach of a comparison, but bear with me. It takes me back, I don't even know how many episodes ago of Baby Got Batch, but when we talked about uh, Trevor Noah having Tommy Lauren on, and they were talking about protesting, and she was, of course, pushing against it and saying it was just like absolutely unacceptable. And then Trevor was saying like, oh, like, what is then a form of protest that you would accept? And she kept on trying to like dodge it, dodge it, dodge it. And he just was very relentlessly you know, following up. And then- she just like did not have an answer very clearly. And that kind of reminds me of this, yeah. where when you go down the rabbit hole of the idea, you really realize it doesn't make a ton of sense. Yeah, I it's not it's not a stretch, Brett. I also felt the same way. Like I also was prompted to think of that situation. There you go. See, you get me. Mm-hmm. You get me. And then so we get the rose ceremony and who doesn't get a rose? Ryan, which we sort of saw coming. They were really building up that one. Yeah. And then Maggie and then Brittany. So my reaction to all of these was not that I expected all of these, any of these, quite frankly, women to go that far, but I was still bummed. Well, I feel like 
Yeah, I agree. I didn't expect any of these three women to, you know, win Matt's heart. But it just further pisses me off that, you know, like Ryan and Brittany, there's only one quote unquote new girl left. And even though she is a great match and fit for Matt and I could see her potentially winning, I do I think that it was worth it? No. Like, I feel like it's fucked up all that they put these women through only for them to get cut like a week later. Like what, what is it realistically yeah. since, you know, Anna's leaving? I think it's been one week. So yeah. It, it, yeah. it just like, don't get me wrong. Anna, Victoria, like their bullying had to be called out and they had to leave. Like I, I fully support yeah. that, but I'm just frustrated that all of this happened. All of these, not just the new women, but the women in the house too, you know, who are, how did their cocktail meetings cancel that their conversations with him have to focus on other women instead of themselves? These are real ways that everyone is affected only for it not even to matter. Yeah. One to two weeks later. Yeah. It's just annoying. Yeah. It adds to the exhaustion. To yeah. Say the least. Was it worth it? Was it worth yep. it? And I, I gotta say, I definitely wish that we could have seen more interactions between Matt and Maggie. Um, I know I was really mm. excited for that. Um, on night one, and we truly didn't get to see any of it. So I'm kind of bummed. Justice for Maggie. One of the most interesting women in the house. Like she has a killer background, and she's gorgeous, and she has awesome hair, and she's, I don't know, she just seems so cool. And I'm like annoyed that we know nothing about her. Yeah. Yeah. Same. But yeah. So that's the end of the rose ceremony. And the next day, we have the women all, you know, chatting with each other, waiting for a date card. Um, There are 11 people left. It is wild because literally two episodes ago, we had 20 people left. So what is time? What is this process? (laughs) Nothing Uh, makes sense. It's all a fucking free-for-all, honestly. (laughs) Um, So Piper gets the one-on-one. And Serena C decides to confront Katie because she feels like Katie didn't understand um, where she was fully coming from the night before. So before she even goes to talk to Katie, you know, we get some confessional snippets of hers. Katie is calculated and annoying and that just lit another... And I want to say, I think it's always a red flag when someone is frustrated at someone and when they're venting they call them annoying because it's kind of like are you did they do something wrong or because usually if you find someone annoying it's like something about them rubs you the wrong way that most likely reminds you of yourself or someone from your life you know not to like therapize these women but it's just this is just like from personal experience it's like whenever I'm like finding myself in a moment where i find someone or something annoying I to me now that's become like alarm bell where I'm like oh wait a minute mm-hmm. I just in my mind called someone annoying I don't like when I do that so like what's what's going on here so yeah, and then right. every time I just think about it a little bit more I'm like oh this is about me it's not about this person so <laughs> yeah so all that to say like as soon as she said that I was like there's no way that this is going to make sense like in terms of yeah. Serena's <laughs> argument and her feelings. Like no, totally. again, feelings are legitimate and she's definitely frustrated. I mean, this yeah. process is frustrating. We all know that. But is it misdirected? I feel like we're gonna see that yeah. it's definitely not uh, as strong as an argument that she thinks it is, um, in her head. Right. So she goes to chat with Katie and they sit down and it 
devolves like pretty quickly. Mm, yeah. I don't know if you had any thoughts about their interaction. Yeah. Well, it just seemed like this whole thing went from zero to 60 so quickly. Yeah. <laughs> and it was jarring because of that. Um, and the, speaking of flags that jump out at me or, or alarms and, and all that, whenever someone starts getting into this like right reasons, wrong reasons, here yeah. for Matt, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, all right, well, one, I think – that's just a you know a flag for them in general. But then I also wonder: it's like you've been talking to a producer, haven't you? This yeah. sounds a little like you you partnered up with somebody, and they're like, "Oh yeah, you should totally go confront Katie about this." Yeah, it's like you're slightly getting gassed up, aren't you? I see the language uh, yeah. creeping in. I can just see it of like a producer being like, "Hmm, I wonder why why Katie did that." You know, do you think that she just wants scream time? Like I don't know things like yeah. that. Yeah. I will say that Katie, I feel up until this point, has always been really like calm, cool, collected and very reasonable. Mm -hmm. And her whenever she's been a part of these kind of discussions, interactions, disagreements. And I think mm -hmm. here, you know, she kind of explodes a little bit. And I and yeah. is it a good look? No, it, it never is. But do I like get where it's coming from? She's probably exhausted, just like Serena. She's probably frustrated, just like Serena. And it's like, you know, the breaking point of like, I don't deserve this shit. So like, leave me the fuck alone. <laughs> so yeah, I, yeah. I was a little torn here because it's not maybe effective communication, but at the same time, it's like, how do you communicate with someone who clearly doesn't want to listen? Because yeah. Serena was not listening. So yeah, everyone in the house like hears them yelling. Serena C leaves and then goes downstairs and is like telling everyone what happened. And then Katie comes down and you know, she kind of like zips up. You don't have to whisper. It's all good. I'm just telling them what you told me. So Which is what? That your main focus is not to be with Matt. It's That's what like I told you? That was the gist of it. Okay. Well, I obviously said nothing like that. So This part was specifically like ridiculous, egregious, whatever to me. <laughs> and then she's like trying to repeat what she's saying. And Serena's like, oh, you're just repeating yourself. So like, I'm not, I'm done listening to you. It's like, maybe for a reason. Because you're not, like you literally just said that she said something that she 100% didn't say, but then you're also saying that she's just saying, going, it's, I don't know. I was just, yeah. like, I can't believe she straight up said that in front of Katie. Mm. Like, I could see her saying that without Katie there, of being like, yeah, she admitted that she's not here for the right reasons. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, like, in front of Katie, it's just like, even Katie mm. seemed shocked. Even <laughs> Katie was like, what? <laughs> yeah, I would really admire the true moxie of that move if someone did do that, where they were just flat out like, yeah, I'm here for the wrong reasons. I'm just here to blah, blah, blah. Because actually, it might almost be like the perfect strategy. Because if I went up to someone and said like, oh, yeah, I'm here for the wrong reasons, but don't tell anybody. And then someone then went over to you know Matt or whomever and said like, yeah, they just flat out told me they were here for the wrong reasons. <laughs> then they'd be like, there's no way they there's did that. No this person's way. clearly lying. <laughs> it, it honestly might unfurl into the best like 3D chess kind of move. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Might be something there. Yeah, who would ever admit that? It's like this is giving me like Jed vibes of him straight up saying, yeah. "I came here for my career," but then I realized that you were pretty. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, well, why not both? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but then uh, something you know, Katie, you know, mentions here in the middle of all this, which again nails my thoughts on the whole matter on the head is like and and what you said as far as just all of this being misdirected she's like 
bring it up to Matt. Like if you are upset, like say that you don't like how certain things were handled or, you know, this has nothing really to do with me. Bring it up to Matt. Yeah. Yeah. That seems to make a lot of sense. Yeah. So like the women are upset. Um, Jesenia kind of chimes in. Yeah. Last night sucked because a lot of ladies didn't get time with Matt, but I think that it's important that we just let it be and like move forward and we don't want you screaming at each other, please. I kind of thought she would defend Katie more, but at the same time, like we don't know what she actually said, you know, it could have just be like chopped up a little bit, but she was kind of like team. Let's just move forward. Let's get over this. And then, yeah, Kit had a little confessional moment where she was what she was saying, what we were all thinking. I'm really not sure why Serena is so upset with Katie. Um, It's really my and Matt's relationship that I'm focused on. And at this point, it's just like ridiculous to me. I don't know. To me, that was validating. It's like, okay, there's not going to be another like gang up against someone. There's not going to be another like mob mentality. Like people are truly like this one. This feels like it's a little out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. So then now we get our first view of Heather Martin. um, Aside from the cold open. She pulls up this. There's like the security cam, you know, trying to make it seem like she really did just pull up with her soccer mom van out of nowhere. The yeah. security guard is like, um, we're close to the public. And he still like calls Chris Harrison as if Chris Harrison's <laughs> the first person on the list that you would call if a random former contestant truly rocked up like this. Oh, um, yeah. So, yeah, you know. My whole thing here is that they just all needed to get their stories straight. It's like, are they fully saying that, like, they had no idea Heather was showing up? Because if so, how you know, when Chris comes out, talks to Heather a little bit, you know, he says, oh, you know, can't even do it today. How about you just go back to your hotel? How do you know she's staying at a hotel, Chris? Huh? Huh? You're tipping your hand a little bit. <laughs> yeah. What if it was an Airbnb? Damn liar. Yeah. 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 What if, what's an Airbnb? What if she's like just uh, she drove what if she's straight camping here? out in her car? Yeah. What if she hasn't gone anywhere yet? Yeah. That's a know. good point. Just, uh, yeah. What are, you, what are you doing, Chris? You're, yeah. you're tipping your tipping your hand a little bit. Yeah. I will say one one slight thing that made it seem a little believable is that she was like, oh, I know you're almost to the halfway process. And he was like, yeah. And. And I was like, they're not, they're past the halfway. And then I was like, oh, but this is like before she quarantined. So like she had to mm. do a couple of tests and be alone for like a week or two. So in that sense, it does make sense. But yeah, I don't know. Not all the details are adding up. No, there's some fishiness, some fishiness. But, you know, I do, you know, I think everybody figured that this was Hannah Brown's doing, but we finally get that confirmation that it's Hannah Brown just creating chaos and what are you doing your well, friend Matt I also? Don't think, I don't think it was Hannah Brown's doing. I think from what I understood it was Hannah Brown told Heather that this guy would be perfect for you. And then when Heather found out he's gonna be the bachelor, she was like, I gotta put my name in the ring. Yeah, true. Maybe. I don't know. I think I guess how I was envisioning it, maybe this is just because this is the narrative that I built in my head, is that as soon as Matt was announced to be Bachelor, because uh, I do think Hannah and Heather were hanging out together during like especially early COVID times or mm-hmm. mid-COVID times. So I can just see exactly what, what theoretically happened where they're hanging out and then Hannah just like kind of gasses Heather up to like go. It's like, oh, you should apply. You should do it. You should talk to this producer. But I, I see it. I see yeah, it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And then we'll 
see more of that later. But for now, we have Piper. We have some more of Piper, which I've been looking forward to, especially after that makeout last week. Dang, yeah. like, you know, if we're going to be making out that strong, we should at least get to know her a yeah, little no bit more. Yeah, no context I mean, makeout. It's like those Twitter accounts that are like, no context bachelor. It's like, no context <laughs> makeout. And uh, so we have the date card. Tonight will be worth the wait. What do we What do we think of that? It's Don't fine. Care about like it? It, it's. I. I mean. I think you know. It's a nod to her really, really wanting a one on one. Um. But it has no. No clues as to like the actual. Yeah. The actual date. Yeah. The reason I bring this up is because, and I know this wouldn't make sense considering the times that we're in, but it would have made a lot of sense since. You know, spoiler alert ends up being like a little carnival thing if they like made them stand in random lines like with extras because then it's like literally a wait for <laughs> your the ride for the little Ferris wheel for the sledgehammer game, whatever. Then it's like, oh, wait, like a line. But anyway, missed opportunity. Yeah, I will say it was a re- it was a really cute date. But my favorite part of it was their car their car banter like it was the car ride was, was so cute what's something you would do in the woods <laughs> at night get mauled by a bear well <laughs> that's, surprise no i didn't want to tell you but you did guess it <laughs> and this again crossed into the territory where it just felt so genuine and real for lack of better words it felt like a proper date that i think is like a good date yeah um, so while like specifically the car ride was cute and this whole idea of like going into the woods at night, uh, not for me, like if someone on like <laughs> nope. a first date, this is like their first one-on-one date, even though they've been making out or they made out last week. Um, yeah. Someone's trying to take me into the woods on a first date in the darkness. No, thank you. No, Satan. thank you. Absolutely not. <laughs> so they get into the woods and, there's this random switch and he's like, oh, you should like flip it on see what happens. And she flips it on and it's a carnival. And I will say I was very impressed with this just because I was impressed with the logistics of it all. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't I, I mean, I have a lot more questions, right? It's like, yeah. th- is this carnival there? Did they rent like all of that equipment? Is That's this what I think. owned by Nemecolin or like what's. I have so many questions. This is like a is this like a like a partner of sorry, Nemecolon, as we've <laughs> as we've deduced. Uh yeah, I just I need to know what happened here. And kudos to whoever put this together. Yeah, I think it's definitely an expansion on the the date that we saw with Tasha and Zach last season. Um and I think it's kind kind of like the pretty princess like makeover date. I think it's becoming a staple in the franchise as well. Like usually it's like at a real carnival that's just been like closed for the day, but there is usually some sort of like it's our playground for the day type of date. Yeah. And I honestly feel like they probably rented all of that stuff for yeah. the weekend or whatever long. Yeah. Because think about it, like carnivals are not open right now. Um yeah. so I'm sure it wasn't hard to get i guess it wasn't like figuratively hard to get but it definitely was probably very difficult to, to transport and set up especially to keep it a secret yeah. like i guess for me yeah. i'm like is this on namacolin grounds or did they go to some sort of i mean they drove for a while so they could have driven yeah, off grounds and i think i was thinking about that as well because 
as we know, the next group date is, is a bowling date. And it's like, there's no way that there's a bowling alley on Namercolin. Like, they t- also probably, yeah. like, rented out a place and, like, went off campus for the day, you know? It also makes me laugh just because you brought up the bowling date. Where the budget is allocated sometimes, uh, <laughs> where it's like, how about we go really hard and rent a whole carnival and <laughs> put it in the woods? And then the next day, like, we make him go bowling and get some some clearly like party platters from the nearest grocery. Oh my god, I love bowling. <laughs> I I do love bowling and I was in like a, you know, middle school bowling league, so you know, I'm not I, Are there I, any uh, pictures? Well, I'm I'm sure, but specifically I went I was a part of a bowling league because in my hometown rock and bowl on the weekends was like the thing to do that's like where you you uh you know talk to your crush and that's just like where that's where things happen baby you know that's uh <laughs> that's uh the room the room where it happened was gotcha. the bowling alley in marcellus on saturday nights after 7 30 <laughs> Well, please be sure to dig up a picture so you can post it to our Instagram of you and your bowling league outfit. Thank you. Oh, uh, man. We'll, we'll see if I can find that. <laughs> <laughs> and then before we get to the the night portion, there's like a quick cut back to the house. There's a the group date card. And we also get the start of Heather's unraveling journey in quarantine. And I'm glad like they showed a proper quarantine just so they can at least give us the illusion that they're, you know, following all standard protocols that they need to and all that. And then we get into the night portion and Matt talks to Piper, um, you know, a little bit about like her family and Piper says that her family doesn't really communicate love. They more just show it in their actions and listen, I always love a good love languages talk. And do you yeah. know your love languages? Um, uh, Sort of. I've definitely, you know, done the quizzes and stuff. I mean, I can't remember the last time I did it, but I'm very familiar with the love languages. I'm well-versed in them, but I just multiple of them. Um, do they all just like blend together for you? Um. I don't know how they blend together for me, but they're all very important to me. So, like, I think maybe some are slightly more than others, but there's not a single one where I'm like, I I can do without that, you know? So, like, I think physical touch and words of affirmation are definitely on the high end, but I also, I'm very of the mind that actions are just as important as words. So, and I don't know if that falls under quality time or acts of service or, or gift giving, right? Like I I think it could fall over all three of those. Yeah. No, it it gets, it gets murky and like things can be both. Yeah. Yeah. So all of these things are incredibly important to me. Like I'm a crazy thoughtful gift giver and I never used to think twice about that. It falls over all of these categories. So there's not a single category where, I feel like it's okay if I'm not getting as much love via this way as the other ways. Like I truly need it from all of these facets of the love languages. Um, And yeah, so that's why I'm just kind of like, oh, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, fair. Yeah, how about you? I feel very strongly about about mine. Um, And, you know, granted it changes and uh, there are some that I think have have gained a little bit more importance to me. But mine, I I can like, reflect right offhand is uh quality time is way far removed from everything else it's just like the the, the high by a ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Uh, and then physical touch is next, then words of affirmation, acts of service, and then way on the bottom is gift giving. And this is where I think if I did that quiz again, gift giving would be higher because it used to be like a zero or maybe one point was in that category in the quiz. But now I do think I'm starting to lean into being a little bit more of a thoughtful gift giver. I don't really care about receiving gifts myself. So maybe that's also why it gets biased. But yeah, well, I think the thing about the love languages is it's about how we want to receive love, not about how we give love. So like that makes sense. If you don't care about giving gifts, then your yeah. gift giving is going to be very, very low. You can still be a good yeah. gift giver and not yeah. care about receiving gifts like that. That's possible. Um, so yeah. yeah, that makes sense to me. I mean, listen, maybe uh, maybe my future wife is listening to this podcast. And if you are first off, hey. How's it going? And uh, then second, there you go. Now you know me. So quality time, physical touch, those words of affirmation, focus on those three. Those other two, yeah, you know, take it or leave it. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, so after the love languages talk, Piper says she's falling in love with Matt and Matt gives her a rose. And then after the little rose, he has another surprise for her. And also to like, why? Like that wasn't good enough for you, that budget, like that whole carnival private just for you, you got to get uh, this, uh, what was it, a concert from Temecula Road. I have no idea if I'm saying that right. Oh, I thought it was Temecula, like Dracula. Oh, man. <laughs> I mean, it, it could also be I have be that. no idea. I wasn't, I guess they announced it, but I don't remember how they pronounced it. Did they announce it or was it like Matt just like a, like a little- it. Oh, maybe he yeah. was like, "We have a concert just... from blah 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 road," and I oh, and I, okay. but it went over my head in terms of remembering how he pronounced it. But I truly have never heard of them. I Which like the Dracula pronunciation better, <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna co-opt that one. Temecula. and I actually didn't hate him. You know, so well, I didn't hate to... them, but I just like I don't know I don't know these people. <laughs> no fair. fair I feel like they do. I feel like more and more it's well, it's always country, but more and more it's people you haven't heard of. Like I think before it used to be people yeah. who were who had like some hits or who were like on the rise yeah. or, or you know. I mean, I'm sure they're on the rise, but I just I used to like recognize names sometimes or like the song sometimes, but I truly was like, who? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe we're also just getting older too. Sometimes I'm like, is this, I know, I don't, it's something I that think so about. Say, Me, I'm, wow. proje- I'm projecting, I'm projecting. But like, that's something I think about where it's like, I used to know all of like the latest artists and like, oh, like uh, this person's really a rising star. They're going to make it someday. I don't know. I'm talking like an old timer, but now I have no idea. I have no idea who's like the latest star that's coming up. Mm-hmm. The next morning we have the group date. And we find out that Katie is getting the one-on-one. And so, as we already know, this is the bowling date. And the date card reads, this lane leads to love. Which I actually thought was a great date card. I did think that it was like a driving, racing-related date. But um, I feel like they got us, you know, with it. I thought it was yeah. a great date card. Yeah, maybe they're on the maybe they're on the up and up. Yeah, on the up and up. 
And so throughout the episode, we're getting sprinkled with more Heather content, Heather quarantine content. But back at this date, I love bowling. I love the idea of this date. The women all, you know, throughout the date looked like they were genuinely having fun. Um, And I got to say, there was all this awesome food. I mean, especially coming off of Super Bowl Sunday. And I didn't like have a normal Super Bowl Sunday. Like I definitely didn't have any wings or pizza or anything. Um, which is fine, but I guess I had extra double, triple FOMO just watching all of that. <laughs> and all the women were like, oh my God, wings. Like, yeah. And then, of course, none of them ate anything because I'm sure they weren't allowed to. But I was so yeah. sad just seeing all that food there untouched throughout the entire <laughs> day. It just really pulled out my heartstrings. Um, yeah, I can see it. And I just w- got to say one thing. At one point on the state, Matt said something that kind of shocked me a little. This is an ideal date for me. You know, I'm not looking for the world's best bowler. I'm just looking for someone who can have a good time and someone who's fearless, someone who's going to pursue what they want wholeheartedly. And if they can enjoy themselves bowling on a rainy day, a little bit out of their element, that's what I'm looking for in a woman. Um, in what universe is bowling outside of any average American's comfort zone? <laughs> like what? Yeah. Like what is it? Is like bowling inherently embarrassing? Like I get yeah. that people make fun of things like bowling leagues and stuff, but bowling in general is a pastime that people of all ages genuinely enjoy. It's very accessible to the masses. It is, exactly. It's also super accessible. Mm -hmm. So it's not like an elitist thing. It's not like only dorky people do it. I don't know. It was just confusing to me. And I felt, I wanted to feel offended by it. You know what I mean? It's like I I wasn't literally (laughs) offended, but I was like, where is this coming from? I don't, wherever it's coming from, I don't like it. (laughs) Yeah. So the women are having a lot of fun bowling and then Chris Harrison comes in. I feel like he makes the most random appearances, especially in this episode, but he arrives and then he, you know, has a twist for them, which is that surprise, surprise, this is going to be a competition date and only the winning team gets time with Matt afterwards. The pink team win. It's pretty even. I wonder if it actually was really even or if they, you know, just kind of like spliced it that way. Either way. It's fun yeah. to watch people both be good and bad at bowling. Um, well, so wait. So speaking of that, I have like, if you'll indulge me, I have. It, it's a conspiracy that didn't end up having any sort of uh, relevance because it's it's it very soon got. Um, yeah, it just didn't have relevance anymore. But, you know, Serena was on the losing team. Right. And they like lost by like just a hair. And then you think about the the consequences of her being on the losing team is that she has to go back to the house where Katie is and potentially get into more drama with Katie. So that I'm over here thinking like, all right, was there a producer who convinced someone on that team to like take a dive just so Serena could be forced to go back to the house and like get more Katie drama. And then it got immediately invalidated. So I was kind of mad that I was getting really proud of myself, but yeah, and you were giving me shit for my tinfoil hat moment last week. Um. <laughs> yeah, no fair. I I can you know I can humor it every once in a while, but mm-hmm. it's once in a blue moon. Yeah. So the women go back to the house, and then shortly after, Chris Harrison shows up again, hand delivers a new date card, basically telling the women to go back to the after party. It all felt extremely unnecessary. Like, couldn't Matt just say in the moment, like? You know what? Let's all go. I don't know. I just was like, this felt very unnecessary. 
Yeah. They just needed them to feel pain. That's, I guess, what it is. They just needed the sadness for a little bit. And then they're like, ah. Yeah. Okay. Which is fucked up. But <laughs> I digress. Um, so, yeah. Then we have the night portion of the group date. Some of the women who were on the winning team feel a little frustrated. The women on the losing team obviously are hyped. And he has some good chats with multiple women. But he gives the group date rose to Michelle. Woo, Michelle. Love Michelle. And then with that, we get the one-on-one with Katie. On this date, uh, we finally see Tyler C., which we were all waiting for that to happen. Of course, it was going to happen. And Tyler C. shows up while, uh, you know, with, with Matt and they're playing pool for a little bit. And Matt says Katie's going to be on this one-on-one date and then says that she showed up with a, I think I heard this right, a cactus-sized vibrator. Yes, Which don't worry. felt like such... That also made me do a double take. I was like, yeah. wow. <laughs> well, it, it, makes, it made me do a double take for three reasons. One, it's just so fucking random. And then two... Uh, painful, my God. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not something that you want to describe. That's the worst thing that you would want to equate to a vibrator. Just not not good. Um, and then I forgot the third thing. So it was just two, I guess. Those are the main, main gripes with that whiplash of a comment. Um, I just remember thinking, like, it was so specific. Like, really good imagery, you know, in terms of, like, like it was definitely, like, a funny moment. But part of me yeah. was, like, that was so specific yet random that that must have he must have been like lying awake at night thinking about this thing (laughs) like it must have come to him in a dream or something you know like he must have been like oh my god this thing is haunting me it reminds me of the cactus of (laughs) yesteryear i don't know i was just like there was something about this that has been plaguing him is it because like a vibrator has like little and again I'm gonna mess up terminology, but you know like it has like little arms and cactuses have little arms. Maybe that's what I, you're just trying to go for. I don't know if that's what it is. In my mind, it's just like <laughs> cacti are phallic and and they're big. Are they? Are they that phallic? I mean, I, I mean, guess I think anything really... that is a anything that is like a cylinder and is tall, I feel like is phallic. Like, you know, like buildings. Uh, yeah, like, yes, yeah buildings I yeah mean, a I lot guess. of build, a lot of not like every building but a lot of buildings are like a lot of things in yeah. general because men design I, a lot of things because patriarchy so yeah no fair i feel like my my world is very much opening up in a way i do not like so one thing i wanted to because tyler isn't there in the beginning for for very long uh but he does say that when he was on the show, he was sharing his experiences that his relationship with Hannah was a little bit more of like a slower burn. And I always think this is interesting more when it comes to dating. Like with the people that you've dated, do you feel like you're into this like slower burn thing? And like you think it does take time for not like things to develop because of course things take time to develop. But I guess when it comes to finding a connection, I usually am in the camp that it's like this fairly instant thing and that you where you can like tell something's there. And I haven't really gotten on board with like, oh, maybe give it like three or four dates and maybe then you'll see if like, uh, you know, you're you're into somebody. So I thought that that was interesting advice. Yeah. Um, I, I do want to say really quickly that I do remember Sean Lowe saying that about Catherine, that yeah. she was kind of like middle of the pack and then like halfway through, she started to really stand out to him. And so it was kind of like a surprise 
for him as well because it yeah. wasn't like from from jump um so there's that but i think in my personal life i mean obviously the bachelor is very different because it's it's this heightened bubble everyone already knows they want to date the lead the lead is probably interested in dating most of them so you know that's why we get those like the kind of more dramatic eliminations and stuff it's it's that it's the person realizing like oh there's no spark there but for the most part there is that initial spark just because of like casting and everyone's hot and yada 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 um but for me personally i think i definitely especially when i was younger used to be like i know if there's like a spark or not in the beginning and i think that's still true but i think now now that spark is just like physical attraction whereas before i was like oh this spark means like i could date you and then i think um like there have been times when maybe that wasn't super strong or, or loud or whatever um and i you know with time it it did grow like someone who like, i'm just thinking about like the sparks that i was willing to give a chance on when i was younger were just like really strong intense ones because i thought like that was the sign and then the yeah. people who i have had more concrete you know emotional connections with um it wasn't like that it was like oh okay Mm -hmm. this like little spark like you know maybe we maybe it's like more of a fling or whatever and then it right ends up growing to be so much more so yeah so i do believe in the slow burn there has to be some sort of spark in the beginning but it doesn't have to be that like crazy wild you know instant spark yeah right makes sense yeah yeah and i think with like in Bachelor Nation world, you know, when Tyler said that, part of me, like, I thought back to it and I was like, well, yeah, that's true because she was, like, head over heels with Luke and then she obviously chose Jed and then she also had a really strong connection with, with Pilot Pete. And so I think Tyler got a really great edit because he ended up being second. And also he's really hot and he's a great guy. But I, like, I, I just looking back, I'm like, oh, yeah, I didn't think he was going to make it second at all until near yeah. the end. Like, then I thought, oh, wait, I can see this happening. And so maybe it was less editing and more like that's actually just how it shook out. That Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Yeah. My favorite part of you just saying that was that you referred to Pete as Pilot Pete. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> that was that just felt, felt like I had to uh, you know, call that out. Everyone else is just like their name and then, you know, Pilot Pete. My bad. And I'm like, yeah. I mean, no, fair. It's very fair. He's Pilot Pete. But, you know, it works. <laughs> So then, yeah, after that little, uh, you know, chat, uh, Katie shows up, does the typical run and jump that, you know. I was going to say, I knew that you were going to comment on all the different run and jumps of Katie because Katie had two of them. She had two. No. See, listen, I I think I was like going to, but I was like, uh, you know, like, I don't know. I'll just save that. So I'm glad you brought that up. (laughs) Yeah. It's worth calling out. It's worth calling out. Love a good run and jump. And like they, she has like the right, like they have the right frames for it i guess you know like Mm -hmm. the height ratio matches up for a proper top tier run and jump yeah Uh, but then so she shows up matt says they're essentially doing a prank tyler date which feels like a good fit for you know katie but as soon as also he said that i got flashbacks to um like easy's date on on tasha's season where it's like this it's like the fun date we kind of talked about this either last week or the week before where it's like oh no that fun day at the end of an episode is usually like danger yeah danger, danger zone danger zone and we thought yeah oh we talked about it with with kit where we both thought that kit might be going home when that date first started last week because it was um, a chill low budget I, date 
Yeah, yeah. They're just like, oh no, they're they're not pulling out all the stops for this one. And it's like kind of yeah. half baked. Uh, so I felt that energy going into this, like, oh, Katie's in trouble here. Uh, but they're going in to prank Tyler and Rosario, the masseuse slash actor who, who's there. Shout out to her, you know. And then some highlights from this is like, yeah, Tyler checking himself out uh, from the you know behind the scenes curtain wherever they are. They make the masseuse twist and pinch his nipples, and they use a rolling pin on his head. I also feel like they could have like done more. Like it's like, oh, you should use that. I'm glad that they made her use the rolling pin on his head because at first it was like you should use that rolling pin but like do it super hard and i'm like so like a massage like that's <laughs> that's like a massage i was gonna say i mean i'm glad you brought it up because i i love like the prank show premise date yeah. thing but i felt like it was poorly executed like this man just yeah, like got a massage yeah. like i think the funnier parts was when the the actor went a little rogue and was like, oh yeah, he's even hotter in person. Like, I don't know, those things yeah. no, were that was funny. Good. That was really good. But in the beginning when they were like, oh yeah, pinch his nipples, like he wasn't reacting at all. You know, it's yeah. like, it's not yeah. fun unless you get a reaction. And he was just not Yeah, no, exactly. Reacting. The so first I- half was just like, pretty normal massage like with like maybe a little bit of like oh like that's interesting but not like egregious and the whole point of like a date like this is you just go like you really yeah you punk them (laughs) yeah yeah so they need i don't know they had such a an opportunity there was potential and it and it it flopped yeah i don't know i don't know it wasn't the best execution um (laughs) And then, you know, they finish off with Matt coming into the massage and Tyler can just tell. This is a weird thing to say, but I was noticing how nice his Matt's fingernails were. I they literally, were so nice. They were so nice. He definitely had a fresh manicure for sure. Yeah, I think Matt's got, you know, obviously everybody on the show is going to find their own influencer journey after this is wrapped up. I think he's got to get into the hand model game a bit. They're just nice hands. Yeah, I mean, I can see it. Yeah. There's big money there. Yeah, exactly. So after that massage and after the the pranking, they go into the night portion of the date. Matt asks Katie a little bit about her relationship history and – My last long relationship was almost three years, and I really did think he was going to be the one. Mm. And I did a lot of reflecting and realized I was not being who I was truly meant to be. Right. And since then, I've been particular about, you know, who I want to date, and I've been quick to, you know, recognize a red flag. You know, I think before I would just kind of ignore it, or you hope maybe I'll change them or I'll help them, you know, and and that's, that's not it. You know, I am who I am and I want to meet someone who is also ready and, and knows who they are, you know, because then there's there's no changing anybody. It's just yeah. we accept each other from the get go and all we can do is grow together. Yeah, I got to say, obviously, we know that this date didn't end the way that we would have liked it to. Yep. But for the most part, this dinner portion, I truly felt like Katie, like, it's just like, OK, once she, she just definitely goes to therapy. I don't know. I just felt like Katie was saying everything that I love and feel for myself and that I want every woman to love and feel for herself, you know, just about not changing anyone. Or like when she said, I've gotten really good at spotting red flags early, like that is literally me. When people wonder why I had been single for most of my life, you know, I learned very young, very early to not give the benefit of the doubt to certain red flags that always, always in the end proved to be 
red flags for a reason. I like proved myself right over and over again. And are there downsides to that sometimes? Sure. In terms of, you know, not really, once you start dating someone, not really knowing how to date because you're never dated anyone before and you're 26. But that really resonated with me. And I want more women to do that. I want more women to get better and better at recognizing red flags from the beginning and not giving those people with those flags the benefit of the doubt as much as we have always been conditioned to do. Like we deserve better. We know we deserve better. And I don't know. I just love that. Katie said that and made me really happy. And I was just like, this is me. Yeah. Yeah. See, just, just Katie's, Katie's doing great across the board. And um, yeah. yeah, but you know, as, as we said, like it doesn't, doesn't pan out well for Katie and I'm not surprised. I mean, I love Katie so much, but I don't love her for Matt. I don't love them for each other. There's just never really been any sort of um, like sexual chemistry there. It just always seems like they're, yeah. they're like, have like a friendly kind of uh, dynamic. And uh, I will say, yeah. although I knew that I was, so she's 11th, right? That does feel pretty like far behind the pack i was expecting i don't know top eight maybe i don't know why eight sounds so much better than 11 it's it's that double oh, digit. really yeah. i felt the other way like mm. i felt like even though i liked her so much i just knew that she wasn't gonna win yeah um and so i thought that this was like pretty good for how far she came, especially with the new girls added in yeah like i truly thought that she was gonna go home a couple weeks ago at one point mm. um so, yeah, that's how I feel. So I feel like Eleven was like pretty good for someone who had zero sexual chemistry yeah. with him throughout the entire yeah. show. Well, and also, you know, I guess in fairness to what, what the point you brought up about there just being more people. So like Eleven's pretty good considering the masses that we're working with. The masses. Masses. The masses. As Chris Harrison says, a record-breaking turnout. Yeah. So Katie goes home. The women are all shocked. And then it's time for the cocktail party. We all know that, you know, Heather's going to come in at some point, but the women don't know that. So Matt comes in and, you know, he pulls Abigail. She had a really cute moment, I felt, where she kind of like short circuited. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And was like, oh, wait, yeah, sorry, I'm coming. (laughs) I don't know. I just thought it was cute because she's, you know, she's been missing his time with him and and it makes sense. And then we see Brie, they have a cute moment. Um, and then we have some shots of the women talking together. You're talking about how they're finally excited. That they're going to have a normal cocktail party and nothing's going to interrupt this. Nothing could ever. There's no more drama. No way. And then cue Heather. She walks in, doesn't really know what to say to the women. Just kind of like smile and wave, yeah. boys, and <laughs> keep keeps going. Um, interrupts Piper and Matt. He just starts laughing and asks for a moment. And then... Uh, Piper goes nuts. Like all the girls go nuts. I thought it was kind of funny how so many of them were like, who is she? Who is she? And then eventually it was like, oh, she was on Colton season. Like I, yeah. part of me is like, how much of this show do these girls actually watch? And not <laughs> that like, not that it matters either way in terms of like, it's a pro or a con if they do or don't. But I always assume that most of the women watch the show, yeah. but they don't talk about it you know like no one wants to seem like a fan yeah yeah but it is the bachelor so like you know it's in pop culture even if even if you're not watching every episode like you kind of know the gist of what's happening and so part of me is like okay 
they like i don't know that that was weird to me i was like who, how many of these women actually don't know who she is yeah, you know right. who who spilled and who was the one who was like i know who this is i got it <laughs> like i've i've been down that yeah. that season rabbit hole so i thought that was funny i usually see like that is striking on bachelorette where there's obviously more guys who have no idea who like past people are yeah. and then there's always like one guy it's like that was actually on like this season like there's always one that is just the resident expert of the group and they uh they tell yeah. on themselves with how ready they yep. are with <laughs> information yeah so yeah like i said piper is really upset a lot of the women are really upset um and then we're immediately shown a teaser and I'm just really fucking bummed. Like we just see more, more mean girl energy, more upsetness. Like, don't get me wrong. I these women are under so much pressure. They keep getting jerked around by this production. You know, their emotions are raw and reeling. We've fa- we've learned from you know last week or two weeks ago. Like you know that Dylan Twitter storm and the fallout from all the other past contestants who made comments about how their mental health was severely affected by being on the show and like the aftermath of the show. We know all these things and we're just like seeing it play out. Like we're seeing these women just like at their emotional breaking points. And so I don't fault them for like having moments of weakness, but at the same time, like I hate that they're being pushed to this to begin with. And I hate that, you know, we're just seeing so much mean girlness. Like you see Kit straight up be like, bitch, bitch what or whatever you know like even Jasenia, just go home like and again we don't know exactly if that's pointed at heather but it's pretty likely that it is yeah. and even if it's not pointed at heather like i don't know it just bums me out no, I know. It, like i know we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording but i always said that i preferred the bachelorette over the bachelor because you know it's like a bunch of hot guys fighting over one awesome woman um but one thing that i did like about the bachelor is when we'd be farther along and maybe like the more toxic people are out of the house and we see like the girls who are left, we really like all of them. They're all pretty solid stand-up women and they all become like really good friends. Like they yeah. form this kind of sisterhood of an experience that only they know what it's like. And it bums me out that we're not really seeing that at all. Yeah. Or if we or it's like a lot clickier this time around. Yeah. And you know, when we talked about favorite, like, uh, friend, part of the franchise, Bachelor, Bachelorette, Bachelor in Paradise, you know, I was in the camp that I like Bachelor or I have liked Bachelor more specifically one because of the friendships that the women tend to have. And I really love when that, when that narrative is aired more and they lean on that instead of what we're getting this season. And then two, I just tend to vibe more personally with the women of the franchise and the guys a lot of the guys are just kind of like duds and lukewarm bowls of milk in in my eyes so i'm like eh, they don't really do anything for me tasha's season was an exception so i think with tasha's season and then going right into matt's season i think it's i'm changing my vote i think i gotta bail on bachelor being uh over bachelorette just because yeah it's not not a fun not a lot of fun times here not a lot it's exhausting Truly. All right. And then with that, are we ready for Batch Nation moment of the week? I would say moment because I feel like there's one big looming one over our head this week. Uh, and, uh, that is, unfortunately we're back to, you know, I would, I would say the Rachel drama, but it's not even the Rachel drama. It's the continual 
visceral disappointment of uh, many of these racist things coming out about Rachel, you know, and it's so disheartening and exhausting. But we have another one. Yeah, I feel like it time and time again, we are dedicating quite a bit of time to acknowledging these things that have come up against Rachel. But at some point, it's like, wow, it's truly never stopping. So I think yeah. you and I both agreed that we needed to really like dive into this one for for this week's batch moment of the week, because it just we, you just we couldn't not we just couldn't ignore it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And but yeah, so this latest one is um it was started on Reddit, actually. It was like the Bachelor POC Reddit, and the user was uh, Stella Hey Stella, and posted that in 2018, Rachel attended a Kappa Alpha Order uh, Old South Formal, and that it was a pre-war plantation-themed antebellum ball with women in hoop skirts, uh, and then they were accompanied by men uh, dressed as plantation owners. And for people who don't really know about Kappa Alpha Order, because for me, I don't know anything about Greek life a ton. So I had to do a little bit of digging and research just to get some familiarity. How about you? Do you know Greek life that much? Yeah, well, I was in Greek life. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I was in a sorority way back in the day. Um, And so this fraternity did not exist at my university, but... One of my best friends from home, he was in this fraternity at Duke. And so I know okay. a bit about it through him. And so, yeah, it's pretty crazy. They have like an extremely racist past, like extremely racist. Yeah. And for those who might not know what some of that past is, this is just some of it. Um, but for example, they're quote unquote spiritual founder is Robert E. Lee. So that'll tell you something right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot to parse through, but there's some old connections to the KKK, which not great. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and also too, like I noticed that they held this ball again last year in 2020, which like isn't even the point here, but like just not, not great decision-making across the board. Um, and also it's worth calling out that Obviously, we have uh, seen that this fraternity just has a racist history. That being said, uh, in 2016, the national chapter of that fraternity actually banned this specific event, this specific naming, like the Old South name um, and like that theme for any chapters of the fraternity going forward. And that was 2016. So this is two years after so this branch like did it anyway. So I bring that up because some people are like, oh, it's the past. Like people can, you know, change or like people can- aren't really sure what they're doing. If you are a part of an event where like the national chapter is saying like, hey, we don't do that anymore, then it's a lot harder to plead ignorance and naivete yeah. in there. You have to really go out of your way to be naive. Yeah, 1000%. Someone's literally telling you, that you are not supposed to be doing this thing. Yeah, right. Another thing, um, another anecdote about K.A., like my my friend, I was talking to him about this because he uh, watch, He and his girlfriend, they watch um, The Bachelor and they listen to our podcast. So shout out to you nice. guys. Um, anyway. So glad you're here. <laughs> <laughs> so I messaged him about this K.A. thing 
And he was like, yeah, I was in contact with, you know, Duke KA over the summer and they're trying to dissolve the organization and like re reform under a different fraternity. Basically, they want to like quit KA and but just like keep yeah. the same dudes and just come back under a new name. I mean, it's mm -hmm. a symbolic thing, but it I mean, symbolism is important, right? Like they don't support the actions of this fraternity. And this was this past summer. So it's not even like in light yeah. of this becoming, you know, right. Big news right now. So it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So they're very well aware of um, their past and at least some of them, some of the KA chapters are trying to move forward by literally disassociating from KA and coming back as a new organization. Yeah. Right. So, you know, with this, obviously it's adding to the laundry list of things from her past that have come to light, whether it's things back in high school, whether it's, um, you know, a little bit more recent. I mean, this is obviously far more recent than, than high school. So it's much harder to plead like, Oh, we were all young ones, that whole thing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, some of the common defenses, you know, that, and I put that in very heavy quotes that, you know, I've already been seeing. Ooh, should we rate some of these common defenses? Oh, boy. Oh, that, that's a fun, dark game. Wow. Uh, but let's do it, I guess. All right. Well, the main one I was seeing all over the place is, uh, oh, but like this is normal in the South. And like I grew up with this. It's like really common for the, the area. So it's complicated. Zero out of 10. Lazy. Lazy take. Yeah. It's just like <laughs> such like a warped like it's like, oh, just because it's it, it very much brings me back to the the idea of. Oh, if your friends were jumping off a bridge, would you do it too? It's literally that. It's like, oh, well, if it's common enough, if enough people are jumping off the bridge, then like, oh, we're totally cool to go do that, right? Yeah. It seems like a great thing to do. Um, yeah, so zero out of 10. Yeah. On, it's on like, you one. know what else was normal in the South? Slavery <laughs> for a very long yeah, time. Yeah. Segregation. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. What else was normal for a long time? Women not voting. You know, there's so many things that were so normal. Yeah, yeah. So it's like just because something's normal doesn't mean it's okay. Doesn't mean it's not racist. Yeah. Uh, so all right. So another one is like, oh, they're doing it to celebrate history or celebrate their their heritage. Mm -hmm. What what's the rating there? Um, two out of ten. Only. Oh boy, you gave it more. So points. I'm giving it more points because it's it's less lazy and dumb than than the other argument because people are genuinely brainwashed to think this but it's still dumb yeah. because as we all know anyone who googles anything about you know the confederate flag or whatever knows that the rise of the confederate flag as a symbol of like history and heritage only started to arise in like the 60s as a response to the civil rights movement so it's like mm, no yeah. this is literally this was literally like a normalization of like a swastika kind of thing you know, not to compare tragedies. I definitely don't want to do that, but it's just dumb. It's more insidious, which is why I gave it slightly higher points than the super dumb, lazy first one. Yeah. Something I think about with this too is, I mean, you brought up, uh, you know, those good old Nazis over here. And, and uh, yeah, like when you think about Nazi history, you know what makes it a lot different than something like this is, well, 
maybe not until recently, we weren't romanticizing Nazis. Nope. Like that's the whole thing is that you don't romanticize the era that literally enslaved people. It's like not the thing you do with it. I mean, I do think it's important to remember history. So you're not like dooming to repeat the mistakes of the past uh, because we, we tend to forget pretty quickly. So, you know, if you want to, you know, quote unquote, remember your history, not sure if you want to celebrate, it's a very weird thing to want to celebrate. But if you want to remember the history, I was seeing a lot of people talking about the Whitney plantation, which was in uh, Louisiana Go to something like that where it really shines a light on that era of history and how fucking awful it was. Yeah. Uh, Don't put on frilly dresses and um, make it cuter. Yeah. Don't pretend like you're Scarlett O'Hara and Gone with the Wind. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Not what we're trying to do here. Yeah. I think... A friend of mine visited that plantation recently and he told me that it's the only one that you can visit that actually addresses its role in like the horrifying slave trade and and slave economy. And I think, yeah, to your point, a lot of these plantations that you can go visit and have your wedding at and stuff, they're very like romanticizing the past and like, oh, look how beautiful the way of life was here. So I think that's crazy that it's the only one that addresses slavery absolutely but a necessary one i mean thank you to them for their work (laughs) yeah absolutely i mean it's unreal that it's only them but man yeah and then another this is like a super common one she didn't know and like she was like ignorant or she was like naive or you know there's just like a lack of knowledge and i mean one i'm there's two different points here i guess One is this situation specifically. Again, we kind of talked about it up top where, you know, if your national chapter is banning an event, you should probably wonder why. And, oh, you're only going to this event with white people. Also wonder why. You know, like there are certain red flags that should be very much common sense that are popping up in your head to make you at least question. And that's like white privilege, the fact that you're not, you know. Um, So that's like my main reaction to it. But then I think we all have like been in a situation where, you know, we are, you know, growing and there's going to be things that we just – you know, you don't know what you don't know, but just because you didn't know something was offensive or, you know, what have you, it's again, it's like that whole impact versus intention thing. Yeah. And it's like, well, it doesn't really matter. You know, I mean, I, it's less egregious than if you were doing it intentionally, but yeah. it still is something that needs to be addressed and it yeah. doesn't take away from the damage that it's done. And it's like, also, if you get a free pass, Every time you just didn't know something, like you're never gonna learn, and society is never gonna learn with you. You know, it's kind of we were talking about this in another episode, right? About about how white people have so many chances to fuck up and not have severe consequences, and that's not the same for communities of color. And on top of that, like if people see that they can get away with things or that they're you know, they're not being punished severely for things. They're going to keep doing them. So like, yeah, maybe you didn't know truly, but you should still be punished for it so that moving forward, you don't do it again. You know, actions have consequences. Yeah. (laughs) So we never rated this one, but I would say um, negative 15 out of 10. There you go. Yeah. Um, And one one thing when it comes to like people – 
not knowing, you know, they fucked up or, you know, wanting to essentially, you know, coming off of the apology tour that was, you know, last week when people fuck up, they like immediately want to be forgiven or they immediately want it to be swept under the rug. Right. And the thing I think about is like, you can't just skip right to the candy of forgiveness, right? You need to like have your fucking vegetables and own how you're going to have to own the discomfort for a bit, you know, like you fucked up, you, you have to just sit with it. And, you know, it's like this whole learn and educate thing, which can be said very half-assed, but it's also needs to be evident in your actions. And even then, you know, it is not owed to you to be forgiven, right? It's, it's not a, an express highway to forgiveness just because you said like, oh, I fucked up. That's not really me though. And we're good now, right? Like it's just so wild how quickly people think that they're yeah. deserving to get there. Yeah. So yeah, negative, what was it? Negative 15 out of 10? Yeah, Is that that's what, what we I did? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would agree. I would agree. Yeah. Um, so it is floating around out there that she's going to address these, you know, rumors soon. I don't know exactly where I, I saw that just like on, on Reddit. We'll see if yeah, that happens. Yeah, I think I saw something um, like I, that too. Yeah. And, you know, that being, you know, said, I'm sure that like production's not letting her, you know, say something. So, cause I'm sure they're, they're waiting until think? like the women tell all or, yeah, I'm very sure. Okay. You know, I, I'm pretty confident that that's the, that's the case. Yeah. Because um, that, it does make sense, especially when you mentioned the women tell all, because that is prime fodder for that. But I guess just thinking about other people who say things here and there, like I remember like Garrett, I mean, maybe it's cause he won, but I remember Garrett, you're going or whatever the fuck his name it said, I remember him saying something, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I've truly, yep. I truly don't know. Like, this is something that I'm like, why isn't she saying anything? Like, could it be? I don't know. Yeah. It probably, it must be. One, and again, like a lot of this is, you know, theorizing because we obviously don't know. I thought um, Ashley Spivey, who, you know, I adore, like had like an interesting theory on that, um, is that with the Garrett situation, you know, obviously we found out that he ended up being the final pick. Um and we also knew that like Becca is really liberal, even if she was very guilty of white privilege and just like skirted their issues under the rug for years until this past year where they really had to fundamentally realize that they were were different. Yeah. And um, they're just like respect for human decency and rights, you know. Um, but one thought that that Ashley had is that Garrett may have, you know, like came out with like a statement there because it mattered to Becca. Like it very much mattered to the lead. And I just saw like the, there was an interview that Matt gave where he was actually confronted with some of the stuff that Rachel had, had done like some of the social media stuff. Um, and this was before this, this last plantation, you know, story. And he was essentially, it's like, Oh, like, you know, you can't trust like what you see on social media. So he was being a little defensive. So, Ashley's theory is like this stuff might not like matter as much to Matt, which it's it gets like murky there, you know. Yeah, Obviously, that's a really like, good point. Well, it still matters just because it doesn't matter to the lead. It still matters in the grand scope of the world we're all living in. Yeah. But that again, it's it's a theory. But no, that's a really good point, which I think is a hard pill to swallow for a lot of people who, you know, it's it's like you know calling back to the um. 
to the review that I read at the top of the episode about how black people are not a monolith. Um, yeah, they're not. And I think a lot of people do have a collective feeling of how they want to move forward. Um, as how all of us want to move forward as a society. And I think it can be a hard pill to swallow when like you finally get a black lead and they don't care about a lot of the same diversity or representation issues that a lot of us care about. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I just feel for, well, I mean, cause I'm of course exhausted having to continuously think about like, what's like the next thing that Rachel's going to, you know, do and all that. But yeah. I just, you know, I, I feel for everybody who was, you know, very excited for this season and very excited to not only have like the first black bachelor, but really showcase the diverse cast, which they still have, even if it's, they're not getting the screen time that they, you know, should have. I mean, the, especially the past weeks, we've seen a lot of, you know, whitewashing of it yeah. somehow, even, you know, going against all odds, you know, even, uh, you know, and, and um, finding a way to just showcase, you know, white women and showcasing white women, um, you know, going after, you know, BIPOC cast, which is just really defeating. So this just adds to it. So I just really feel for everybody who, you know, is having a hard time with that. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Okay, so this just came to me while we were going through this Batch Nation moment of the week. And it's related to casting. Okay, so so hear me out. So Chris Harrison has said time and time again that there's like a record number of women who applied to date Matt, and I'm sure that that's true. But we have seen that many of the women on this season said that they were approached by casting, not the other way around. You know, like they weren't submitted by anyone. Yeah. And Rachel was one of those women, right? Um, so I'm wondering if production knew to a certain extent that she was probably like Southern Belle-esque. Like it reminds me of Rachel Lindsay's season of The Bachelorette, you know, first black lead, period. Um, record number of POC cast, still some white people, and there was one racist antagonist man in the house, Lee. And Rachel even said straight up after the season aired, you know, this man was cast to be like a racial antagonist. And I wonder if this Rachel, sorry, so many Rachels, and I'm wondering if this Rachel, if Matt's Rachel, was cast with a similar thought in mind, not to straight up put racism on full display on the show, but maybe to be like, look, she's from the South and Matt still likes her. You know, we're not so different. Like some yeah. sort of that or some sort of like hoping for some sort of tone policing, respectability, politic type kerfuffle with one of the POC women. You know, I, I this is super speculative. But I feel like when we've talked about casting vetting people and how people fall through the cracks like a la Lincoln and stuff like that, I wonder if they saw this as like, oh, this will be like good fodder for drama. Like, you, I, I don't know. Does this make sense? Like, because it's not like she was like arrested for a hate crime. You know, it's not. It's like very, yeah. very subtle, which I feel like is what yeah. they did with Lee and how they edited Lee too. Like they made it. Yeah. I, I don't know if I'm making sense, but but what what are no your no thoughts? you are you absolutely are <laughs> no it, it's tough because like I mean I obviously certainly hope not and something that immediately came to my mind not directly like an answer to that question but I'll get there is like 
I think there were a lot of conscious decisions made with the season in general, but specifically the casting Mm -hmm. to like make their first black bachelor lead palatable Mm -hmm. and be like, okay, we're going to cast a lead, but let's make sure we really up like the Southern representation just so like we can appease the audience that we know we have. So that's where my gut initially goes. It does start getting like big brain to me when I'm like, it's like when it's like, oh, it's like it was intentional. Like they saw that she went to like the plantation, (laughs) you know, ball. Well, I don't know if they know know, that, but yeah, just like where she's from, you know? Yeah. I know. It's like the more we do this podcast, the more I'm like, why do I like this again? <laughs> no, I know. Well, you know what? You know what's? I mean, because I obviously like think about this, especially with conversations like this that you know that we have, and it just does get exhausting. I, I think the past couple of weeks have really been exhausting. I think the reason why I kind of like dig in my heels and one continue to watch, continue to talk about it, is that you know, again, it's like this whole. I, I'm a big believer that like this show is a you know mirror of society for better or for worse and it really is for worse and it's like just because we don't like our reflection doesn't mean we shouldn't look yeah i'm I'm really going leading into this wow i really love it it sounds very thought out well thought out thank you it was i swear to god that was not planned but like i was really into uh trying to finish that metaphor off but i don't know it, it just feels like if I'm like, all right, I'm done with this. I'm done talking about it. I'm so exhausted talking about this every single week. There's always something else that is disappointing to me. I mean, sure, I can stop talking about it. I can just go hang out with my liberal bubble friends here in New York and yeah. not be privy to – I mean, listen, I didn't know about Greek life really much in general before this, and I certainly didn't know about <laughs> that exact chapter. So yeah. like, for better – again, for better or for worse, I am learning that – there are plenty of parts of this country and this world that are a lot different than what I might believe. And we need to be aware of that in order for change to happen. So that's kind of where I land. Yeah. With it. But trust me, I think about it too. Yeah. I mean, I think that makes so much sense. It's like we can turn off the TV, but that's not going to change anything. It's not going to change any of the problems. Yeah. It's not going to. Yeah. The only way to change the franchise and, you know, the world no <laughs> but the only way to like make changes that we want is to hold them accountable you know so yeah yeah or at least fucking try you know yeah accountability is important and it's different than cancel culture and all that is a big difference well said brett and with that i'm gonna say that's another episode of baby got batch This episode was produced by us, Brett Vergara and Camila Salazar. That's me. Have any questions, comments, opinions, haikus, or extensions of your reviews that you want to send us? Email them all to babygotbatchpod at gmail.com. And listen, don't forget to rate and review and share our podcast on Apple Podcasts. That's where you do the reviews. I know some people have been asking that. Go do it there. Five stars if you're feeling generous. And if you're not yet, follow us on social media. We're at BabyGotBatchPod on Twitter and Instagram. And if you want to follow us personally, which we would love, want to get to know you, we're at Brett S. Vergara, that's me, and then at Kamilavala, and that's with two A's at the end on both. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.